Hey folks, it's Tomo, Sean, and Andrew from What's Going On Here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or wherever you stream your favorite podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of What's Going On Here. We're happy you guys could join us. Uh, my name is Tomo Lovrick, also known as T Love in local coven circles. And with me, as always, I have the master of disaster, the sultan of. I don't know what the fuck rhymes with Sultan. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I have with us, as usual, the young Mr. Sean Quigley. There he is looking like an air traffic controller in a CD basement somewhere. Uh, or uh, the Quig, as he is known in fireplace log-making circles. Uh, Sean, how are you, sir? Uh, yes, I am uh, good. I'm mm -hmm. not too bad. Um uh, you know, it's funny. I don't know. I don't know how many episodes we've done in in the current format, mm -hmm. and I've only just realised now for the first time that in the general setup of how these intros work, you get away without ever having to justify the circles oh, yeah. of which you're what known the fuck? in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know yes, what? Now that you say it, I've never realized that either. <laughs> well, maybe if one of you lazy bastards decides to be the host, we could get to that. But yeah, as it, as it is, since I'm the first one to go, nobody nobody's introducing me, so I'm introducing myself. You know. Oh, well, go. that's that's just the way. That's the way it's always been. Well, That's the should, way it's always been. We'll, we should, we'll do it. We should switch out. We Sean, should, we should, you should you should roll us in on the next one. And just we should like, have like a like a Johnny Carson style thing where I can just yeah absolutely like an Ed McMahon behind yeah. the curtain and I'd be like it's <laughs> Tom. Yeah, yeah. totally. To, I, I would totally get a hype man for the show. You know, somebody that comes up <laughs> five minutes. See, that's the part where the, the the ideal situation for that is we actually start making money with our podcast and then we hire a kid to just get us the beer and get book us guests and do the intro. That would be the ideal situation. So if you're listening to this, yes. and you're looking to sponsor a podcast. Yes, wow. one, yes. Or two, you want to intern for nothing, please, by all means, get in <laughs> By all means. This is probably the absolute worst time in history for average independent Joe Schmoes to make money doing a podcast. Yes. <laughs> like every famous person in the world who has been deplatformed. Yes, is doing a podcast. Doing a, yeah, Absolutely. Podcast. But did you see the brilliance of this, Andrew? Let me just point out the brilliance that is Sean Quigley. He should have been a lawyer. 
He should have been a lawyer or a used car salesman because he turned the whole, like, I don't have to put any bullshit up. Mm-hmm. And he changed the subject real quick. And then kind of like, like I was just going to jump onto you without him justifying why he's well known in fireplace log making circles. <sighs> well, it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> It'll be for another podcast. It'll be for another podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, okay. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, we have with us the uh, young, the handsome, the man who makes us 33% watch- watchable on our YouTube videos, uh, the one that only Andrew Albagese, or AA, as he is known in artificial intelligence programming circles. Uh, Andrew, how are you, sir? I'm... I'm doing well. The artificial intelligence programming circles, um, it was going well. Uh-huh. Then it went too well. And now it's We're only doomed. a matter of time until the robots take over. Well, I, I we should have listened to Elon Musk. Hmm. I, well, I mean, I for one welcome our robot overlords and I'll guide them to his house in a fucking heartbeat. I'll just tell you that much right now. All right. Well, folks, for those of you that don't know, after this just ridiculously long intro to the show, uh, we find a subject that's part of the pop culture zeitgeist. We break it down, we analyze it, and we give you our expert philosophical and sometimes even metaphysical opinions about what's going on. But the main part of the show, uh, which those of you who have listened to us before know, is adult beverages. And so first, I'll bring up what our subject for today is. Today, we are talking about WandaVision, the recap. So we did an episode about WandaVision right about when it started. And today, and as of this day, today, we're we're recording, is the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier has come out on Disney+. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're just going to talk about WandaVision as a whole. Um... Uh, exchange our ideas about it, uh, what our opinions were on it, how we thought the show went, whether it did well or not, and the adult beverage we have to the adult beverages. The subject was basically kind of like chaos magic, like Wanda has. So, by the way, if you haven't seen all of WandaVision, don't listen to this whole podcast because this is just a shit ton of spoilers happening right now. Yeah, uh, go go watch it and then go watch it and, and then come back and listen. Absolutely, yes. So we decided, um, because we're doing this on Zoom and we've, uh, we've had a few times where we've been able to have the same beverage, um, it is rather difficult scheduling-wise and everything to get everybody on the same beverage. So in honor of Chaos Magic, we all decided to go with our own beer, a little bit like a mini 12 Beers of Christmas episode. So uh, each of us got our own brew that we're going to break down and grade and let you all know what it's all about. So, uh, Andrew, let's go alphabetically. Why don't you start us off with the first beer, sir? Okay. So I will be drinking Lagunitas. Lagunitas? How do they actually La- say Lagunitas. Lagunitas something easy ale. Um, the can's got a vehicle that it seems to be driving through the desert. It's okay. pretty cool. Uh-huh. And it is said, what does it say on here? That it's a... It doesn't say too much, does it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it here we go. Here it is. An easy drinking hop orchard of an IPA. Oh, 
Okay. And your ABVs and ABVs, we are 5.7. Okay. Right. Okay. Yes. And 51 IBU. Yes. We looked that up before the show started. Excellent. Uh, Sean, why don't you go next? Uh, yes. Andrew's can looks so big. It's, I can't tell if it's the aspect ratio on our video. Or like The can looks massive. It's it's like a little thinner and a little bit taller, oh, I it's think. Thin. It's not quite as as, as wide as most it of the like like a pint cans. Iced tea. I think it looks like an iced tea. It did tea look can. like it an does. Arizona it iced tea. Yeah, too, like a 20 right? ounce. Because yeah. I was going to say, I want to go back and look for that 20 ounce can because <laughs> that's my bag right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, I, I've gone for the low earth orbit from our friends at the Ale Mentory Brewing Company, Hackensack, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a oatmeal stout. It is a quality stout that doesn't need an ABV that reaches for escape velocity. Uh, ABV is 6.7. And uh, the re- I got it a couple of reasons. A, because... Um, it's a stout, and it was St. Patrick's Day the other day, so it was fitting. Yes. Uh, also, it's it's sort of in the vein of the sort of galaxy sphere, Marvel, multiverse, low Earth orbit thing. Sure. Um, and also, uh, more importantly, is uh, we'll talk about is One Division is set in the fictional township of Westview, New Jersey. Yes. And uh, we, we there's a bit of a debate amongst the nerds as to where exactly. That township may be geographically uh, located. Exactly, the real New Jersey. And one of the theories online that's on the like nerd Wikipedia, like it's like the Marvelpedia. Uh-huh. They, they think it's most likely. Uh, but but you said you, which you'll tell me on yours, Termo, is the other side. It says on this dork thing that they think it's most likely uh, in somewhere near Leonia, New Jersey. Someone said apparently they think it resembles Leonia, which I cannot see at all and makes no sense to me. I think they've never no. been to New Jersey, no. let alone Leonia. No, they've that- never been to Leonia. No, yeah, like, Leonia is like a standard suburban neighborhood. It's, there's, and- there's no fields anywhere. Anthony Bourdain is from, was from Leonia. He's the most famous thing to come out of Leonia, I think. Um, but uh, they, they thought it was Leonia, but there is a, there is a little township next to Leonia and um, uh, wherever it doesn't matter that is called Westview it's not Westview Westview. is it Leonia you're thinking or Lodi no apparently it's 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 next to um, what's next to Leonia Uh, Palisades Park Englewood where the cinema is it's a cinema this is such a boring thing for a podcast. Phoenix? <laughs> Just tell us about the fucking beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many IBUs is on the beer? Let's Ridgefield let's park. Richfield Park. Richfield Park. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Anyway, the IBUs of that is 19. And I my beer is um and Sean is correct. Like in the comic books, I believe they lived in Lodi or Leonia, like Scarlet and, and, and Scarlet Witch and, and Vision. But um, on the TV show, I'm pretty sure I saw, and somebody could correct me, that when uh, Captain Rambeau was coming, she was coming uh, down the or up the turnpike, as it, as it were, from Delaware, and she got off at Exit 2, which is way south uh, from, from basically the GWB. It's a two-hour drive south. 
And so I picked a South Jersey brewery, uh, that being the Cape May Brewing Company, and I got um, Devil's Reach, which is just a really cool can. It's like a octopus or, or a Kraken or a Cthulhu or somebody's on there. Um, and I thought it was very appropriate with the witchcraft. And this is a Belgian-style ale. It's 8.6%, and it has 25 IBU. And it says here, uh, easy drinking with fruity esters. Ooh, and ominously it says, it will swallow you whole on the side of the can. Ooh, I didn't know, right? And uh, the profile says, a Belgian beast, fruity and light. The complexity and character of Devil's Reach comes from a robust Belgian yeast. Deceptively simple. Caution is demanded because before you know it, Devil's Reach has swallowed you whole. Are you sure it's not just a flashlight? It, it's <laughs> well, I, I, my flashlight will swallow my leg hole. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. All right. So, without further ado, let's give the people what they want to hear. And it's the sound of cans opening. Yes. Here we go, gents. Three, two, one. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Oh, wow. This is very light for Belgian style ale, I have to say. Look at that. This looks like a this looks like a lager. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm opting to refuse to pour into a glass because I don't know if anybody else notices this. I I don't think it affects everyone else as much as it does me. I just I find that whenever I get something from a can. And I pour it into a glass, it gets flat. Like it tastes flat to me. Halfway through the glass, it tastes flat. Like if it comes from a tap, that's fine. But I, I just can't do it. So uh, I, I, I'm like sensitive to CO2. I don't know what it is. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, well, you know what it is? The, you're right. Because you're pouring it out, it probably lose the CO2 in, in the pour. While it's in the can, even yeah. though it's still evaporating, but it only has that little opening on top of the can to evaporate, whereas in a glass. Mm. So you're right. If you're just slowly sipping and enjoying the beer, it probably does lose its its uh, CO2 content. But who, you know what? Let's go in reverse order. I'll start first with the Belgian Reach here. This is totally not what I was expecting. Because it said Belgian style ale. One, it's pretty light. This is probably the lightest Belgian style ale I've ever had. It it had a great head, and you can taste the fruitiness in the foam. It's really just really something nice. So this is almost like this, and, and I know why they say beware of this. Because this with the little fruity notes, you would think is a summer beer. And you would think it's a light beer because it doesn't drink like an 8.6. This literally feels like a Pilsner. This feels like I'm at a barbecue. I'm going to have four of these before I even start buzzing. And that's that's how it drinks. And um, four of these would be like, you know, downing an eight pack and, and of, of, you know, little Pilsners or whatever. This is a very nice beer. I'm really enjoying this. Devil's Reach, I can see warning uh, is is well warranted here. I'm, I'm really happy about this beer. Sure. Very good. I uh, hmm. 
Yeah, this is a really nice beer. I mean, I'm always a fan. It's like uh, I can't very very rarely do I ever get an elementary beer that's that, that's not good. Um, it's it's a very nice. It's a very nice stout. It is better than a Guinness in a can. Yes, um, I agree. I agree, but by far. Uh, it, it, which is, you know, whatever. I don't know why that's the case, why it's so awful coming out of a can, but elementary. That's one thing I really like about the... I mean, the guy, they're very clever. They know what they're doing with the science, but everything that comes out of a can tastes as good as it would out of the tap. I yes. Think. It does not happen with a lot of beers. I think that does not translate as well. There's a bunch of beers that I can drink from a tap fine like a you know like a, a, a lot of european beers like you know stella Artois, like carlsberg heineken a lot of these things i can have them out of a tap in a, in a bar and they're nice but if i have them out of a can um eh, doesn't it's it just it feels a little like yeah but part part of it is like the bottles and you know the cans actually protect completely from from any kind of light yeah which is said to affect it so like if you really want you know have beer in a bottle you really should have at the very least a green bottle or or preferably a like a dark brown bottle mm -hmm. is what you yeah. said have. and because the can is there like none of the light comes in but i've had the low earth over it many a times and it's just it's just a, such a great just easy drink again it's one of those it's a stout and it tastes like a stout and it feels like a stout but it doesn't drink like a stout so yeah. like, I'll have like three of those and be whoop, 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 you know, like all happy in a quarter because it's just such a tasty beer. Yeah. It's very tasty. And there's not too, and the problem is these days, there's not a lot of stouts out there that are, that don't have some sort of stupid gimmick where it's been brewed by teenagers and it's like, tastes like marshmallows and peanut butter and <laughs> whatever the fuck. Like right. this, uh, but then also it's robust. It tastes like you should. I've yes. had a bunch that just sort of taste weak and that don't taste like, it tastes exactly as it should. It's not sherry yes. or It's not right. needlessly alcoholic. It right. is a stout. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, when we did our little get-together the other day for St. Paddy's, I had the uh, Guinness uh, foreign stout bottles. Yeah. And it was nice. And I guess the big difference between that and a regular stout is that it's hoppier. And it was. And it was okay, but I was just like, you know, I had two of them and I was like, yeah, that's, that's all I'm having because it was, all of it was overwhelming. It was like too stouty. And then they put in the kind of hops that you expect in, in a double IPA. And, you know, the citrus kind of cuts through and helps you deal with the hops in that situation. So yeah, I'm a big fan of the, of the, uh, uh um, lower earth orbit. Andrew, how, how, what are your first impressions on your, uh, something easy? Uh, first impressions aren't very good. Uh -oh. Um, no, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's super light. It basically, the best way I can describe it is it, it tastes like you're drinking like a, a cheap lager. Mm -hmm. Um, you can see how light it is. It tastes like you just got like a, you know, kind of a generic lager and then it's got an aftertaste that's bitter. Like they pumped some hops or something into it to make it hoppy, but it doesn't really have any doesn't have any flavor really while you're drinking. It just has a bitter aftertaste from the hops, it seems. Oh, weird. So it's like, it's almost like tastes a little bit like a, I don't know, like a Heineken or something, but I, I actually like Heineken and this I'm not enjoying. Huh. Well, 
it's fine. Like I'll, I'll, I'll certainly drink it, but it's a beer. You know, it's pretty, it's not doing much for me. Ooh. Okay. I'm looking forward to these grades today. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> and Andrew, Andrew, as we all know, people who have heard the show before know Andrew is a IPA guy and likes to like dig on IPA. So this is actually a first that you don't think too highly of an IPA. Yeah. And I don't know if this is technically an IPA or not. I guess it is. I don't know. It's it's, a, it's called oh, I know what ale. it is. I know what it's it is. An ale, and then it's, it's a wheat punch. beer. Ooh, oh, maybe it? it's a wheat ale. Yes, because it does say it does say hop orchard of an IPA. So I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, here, I'll, I'm looking it up on on um, Untapped. It's a wheat beer. Mm. It's American pale wheat beer. It's basically. An American version of a Hefeweizen, and that's why it's so light. There you go. There you go. So it's not so it's not really an IPA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well. All right. So, gentlemen, let's dive into our one division recap, shall we? Yeah. Um, so let's start with just basically overall impressions, just like a general of the show. What did you guys think of it, and how how you thought it was presented? I thought if I'll, you know, guys don't mind me going first. No, go ahead. Um, I had actually wanted to go back and listen to the first podcast we did just to hear like some of the things we said after only watching two episodes. I didn't have time to do that for it, but okay. we'll go with everything that we can remember. Um, you know, I think I said then, or we all said then that, you know, it'll be interesting to see where this show goes because in the first two episodes, it was literally nothing but the sitcom with little hints and glimpses at something else is going on. Oh, something sinister and, happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you know, for, for that, the kind of slow burn of these two episodes and everything else in this kind of different, almost high concept thing that they're doing, I feel like by the end, it'll really have to go somewhere really interesting for that to all work and pay off. I think all in all, those earlier episodes, the sitcom thing were fun and it was a kind of a cool thing that they did. Um, and then I think in the middle episodes, like the first episode when they cut away from the sitcom and actually showed you what the hell was going on. And the episode after that, I was uh -huh. like really, really into it. I thought it was like getting really good. Right. And then I think by the end, it just kind of the story came together and it was like, here's actually what's going on. And you know, you figured all that out and it never did anything interesting again. It just right. kind of was basic formulaic from that point on, not formulaic, but it just was pretty, pretty base level. And while the show creates kind of an interesting and it's a fun way to like create an origin story for Scarlet Witch and to take Wanda from Wanda and bring her to Scarlet Witch. Mm -hmm. All in all, I wasn't, I'm probably one of the few people that wasn't a huge fan of this show now that all is said and done. I think that it was entertaining. I think that it, you know, had an interesting arc for Wanda and told an interesting story. But I don't think, I don't see any reason why they actually did the whole sitcom-y thing, other than that it was a cool gimmick, because it never really paid off. And ultimately, the story, I don't think, really went anywhere that interesting. Okay. Um... John, you want to go next? Yeah, I, 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 um, I really liked it. I really liked it uh, as a whole. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, I wasn't sure at the beginning. I'm a big fan of sitcoms, especially, especially 
historical sitcoms. I like, you know, weirdly, I guess it's not that weird. Uh, for, for younger people, it's weird, but, but, but in England, we had a lot of reruns. So I grew up, a lot of my favorite sitcoms were older. Like I grew right. up w- watching Bewitched. And, right. Um, and all these old, in fact, I grew up and I, I would watch Happy Days and I was so used to watching older sitcoms that I didn't even realize Happy Days wasn't set in the 50s until like a few <laughs> years ago, until I realized I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I just assumed it was the 50s. Like, I didn't realize it was the 70s because I didn't watch it live. I, it was all reruns. Um, and like all of those, like Mork and Mindy was one of my favorites. I love Mork and Mindy as a kid. Okay. Like, yeah. 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 Um, but so many of these. So I, I like that, but I thought it was very interesting. Um, uh, by the time it came together in the end, I really liked it. And I just listened to an interview uh, with the director, Matt Shackman. Shackman, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Very interesting interview he did with Kevin Smith. Where Kevin Smith interviewed him, like, because he loved it, he loves everything Marvel ever do, you know, obviously big comic book nerd. Sure. I was talking to him about it, and the guy was fascinating. And I didn't know his background, his stuff. Um, but he was talking about uh, so many things he said were so interesting. And one of the things that I think was very, that would have made a big difference, I think, potentially, is that he said initially the plan was to release the first three episodes simultaneously. Okay. They wanted to release the episodes one, two, and three at the same time on the same day, mm. um, because they wanted people to get that whole arc. Because it would it would start with sitcom, and at the end of episode three, the end is Monica Rambo being thrown out mm. of the sphere, and like, oh, it's the real right. Way. So you would watch that, and you would go, oh, there wouldn't have been that whole thing we were doing where we were like is this going to stay like this? Like what's happening? Right. Um, and it was because of COVID. Uh, it was taking them a long time. To fit it, that Disney didn't have the budget for them to be able to stretch it out any further. They had to release it. Like they which, to- which I'm calling bullshit on because Disney just freaking opened up a new service where they're printing their own money, much like Netflix and all these guys. It's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Do you, like, like anyone to see that Ryan, the last dragon, not only is it thirty dollars, like twenty bucks, move thirty. It was twenty nine ninety nine to see the movie, and you had to sign up for their whatever it's called, premium or number one service. Which yeah. I don't know. Somebody comes to your house dressed like a Mickey Mouse and gives you a blowjob. I don't know what why <laughs> this extra service is there. Hey, but- wait! I only got a hand job. Oh, okay. Well, they- and it was goofy. well i mean because i'm just like wait a what it's like okay i can understand charging 30 bucks to see it right because you're guessing on average two people are going to watch it so that's kind of like a movie ticket price but then to throw in an extra whatever it is uh uh, 20 30 dollars a month so you want me to drop literally 400 dollars to see your fucking movie Get the hell out of here. It's like, uh, so when they say they don't have it in the budget, uh, yeah, whatever, guys, whatever. It, it anyway. was funny. I, I didn't realize that he was saying, like, it was, they did it very old school TV wise. Like, yes. In that they didn't, he didn't finish editing the last episode until a week before it aired. Like, really? he was still doing post on the last episode. 
the like up until a week before it came out on Disney Plus. So like, th- like that is how close wow. to the mark they were cutting it. Um, it really was because that's all they've been doing. You know, there's there's not been much production going on. Right. Uh, um, COVID threw a spanner in the works, but th- that was always their plan. And like they filmed in front of a live studio audience, <laughs> like a real live studio audience. Um, and part of the reason that they had it come out in the way that they did with the episodes each week, unlike a lot of the, the nowadays, the streaming series where they just give you everything at once is they said he wanted to create an experience like what the whole thing was hearkening back to with Wanda and her parents, that feeling of gathering around on the sofa with your significant other, with the people you love and dedicating a time each week, like, Oh, it's, we're gonna watch our show yeah and like to do that which i thought was i didn't realize until he said it in the interview i was like shit you literally made me do that i can't remember the last time i did that i feel like i feel like wandavision and the mandalorian was kind of like this but at least for me in like my circle or whatever you want to call it that's the closest thing to that like classic like every week we tune in like Yes. Since, you know, in, in yes. years that I feel like we've had, and it, it's mostly, obviously it's all through kind of digital channels because people talking about it online on Facebook and Instagram and whatnot. But there really was a feeling of like every week, every Friday when these episodes came out, it was like, okay, we got to watch it. And I, you know, didn't watch some until Saturday or Sunday or whatever, but it was like that weekend, it was like, oh, and it had that kind of communal vibe that we don't really get out of TV anymore. I, I, I mean, you, y- you, you said it, and I didn't think of it, but yes, that's exactly what happened. And I mean, I know that um, I was basically, I was making a, 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 whatchamacallit, Negroni. Like I was making my WandaVision Negroni for just about every episode. Like one one episode I made a different cocktail and then another one I had actually a low earth orbit, I believe. Um, but, you know, like you said, it was just like a schedule. It was like, oh, I get all my stuff done. It's like, I'm not looking at any, because there were people on my like Facebook feed that like saw it at three in the morning. And I'm just like, oh my God, like <laughs> COVID, this is just, what the fuck are you doing? Um, so yeah, I wouldn't look at like basically any, any social media so that I don't have to like figure out what's going on. Um, the show overall, I enjoyed the show. And I really liked the buildup of what was happening. And the last episode just kind of fizzled for me. It was almost like they were just like, um, like and, and I've said this before, it was almost like all the writers went on strike or, or went to Cancun for the weekend. And the last episode was like, well, let's just throw something together. And like where the holes all started. And part of the disappointment in the story for me was, in my mind, and I mean, you know, that's on me. That's not on the writers. In my mind, the, the, what I was seeing, I was expecting actually some uh, uh, um, some big time baddie to be involved. You know, because they were doing those commercials during the sitcoms and they were like everything was being advertised as Hydra. You know, and I was just like, OK, like they, they like clubbed her over the head. And they have her somewhere and they're putting her through some experiment or something, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that was going through my head. And then um, obviously Agatha or as she was, uh, 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 yeah, Agatha, uh, she was in on it. So I thought like she was like a Hydra person, 
like in the comic books for those fellow nerds that follow. I thought she might have even been Madame Hydra, mm, yeah. which is a, a big baddie like in the Marvel Universe. Um, because uh, who was the tall guy that she was talking to when 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 uh, when Wanda actually threw out uh, Monica as what was her character's name was Agnes when she was in Westview, right? I think. Who's that? Uh, uh, Monica Rambeau when she was in Westview. Oh, her, her character's name was Agnes, I think. Maybe was that uh, uh, Agatha's name was Agnes? Yeah. yeah um, no, because anyway. Agatha was Agatha the whole time. Oh, was she? Yeah, because there was a song Agatha all along, so that was. Oh, okay. Right, it had to have been. Yeah. That was her name. Well, anyway, well, she was talking to the to to the uh, 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 tall guy that was on that was part of the neighborhood watch, like when they were by the like the 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 uh, hedgerow. Yeah, yeah. And, and Vision was like, "Why? What's happening?" And she's like, "Well, she's not from around here." And this was right before Wanda throws her out. And yeah. the two of them are talking like they were in cahoots. And that's why, like, all of that made me believe that, like, this is staged. So when Vision first, like, did the whole thing on the guy in his office, and I was just like, okay, they actually have real people here as well? And then they just kind of veered away from all of that and just, like, put it all on Wanda. And that a little, that sat weird to me, especially at the end. And she was just like, ah, oh, well, you know, they're going to hate me anyway. I'm going to leave now. And I was like... How about using some magic and, and paying their taxes at least for the year or or so you know something? It was really the setup was so weird, but mm -hmm. I've been watching like all the MCU movies now, and I'm catching stuff. And like I even watched the Ultron again, and I have to say, second time around, I actually enjoyed it more. That doesn't necessarily mean it was a good movie, but I enjoyed it more. That movie is way better watching it now after everything else that after everything to the MCU than it was when it came out before everything else that happened. Well, I mean, one of the things that, that I caught was um, when I was watching uh, uh, The Winter Soldier, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, when um, the Black Widow gives Captain the file on The Winter Soldier. And she says, are you sure you want to follow this thread? You might not like where it leads. And then, you know, watching Civil War, I'm like, Wanda knew that the Winter Soldier capped Tony's parents. Yeah. Like, that was that little tidbit. You mean Black Widow knew? Yeah, yeah Black Widow knew. Yeah, correct. It gets confusing because Scarlett Johansson plays Scarlett Johansson, yes, yes. Exactly. Scarlett Witch. She's a redhead, yeah, exactly. Feel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I caught that tidbit, and I was like, oh, yes. And, like, watching the whole, like, all the phases together, like one after the other, it's like things that I thought were shit when I initially saw the movie are making more sense now when I go back and watch it. Cause you know, I'm anticipating, I'm, I'm looking again, my mind is creating a certain plot line that doesn't necessarily match with what they're going to put out in the movie and all of that stuff. So I don't want to judge WandaVision too harshly and say that it's shit. Mm -hmm. Because, like, it really disappointed me at the end. Because they are obviously doing something now, and they're they're trying to to tie in the TV and the movies and just have a big continuing universe of stories, right? Right. So I don't know necessarily where this leads. And I was talking to a friend of mine, Christy, and she was uh, saying that she thought that perhaps um, 
Doctor Strange is going to make an appearance, mm-hmm. like towards the end of the episode, because the the penultimate episode was like when they showed the the new uh, vision that they made. Yeah, like that. Like I was really at the end of that episode. I was like, this is really good. And then that last episode just really just let me down completely. Yeah, I agree. Um, they did film. They filmed a Doctor Strange cameo um, that was supposed to be at the end, uh, but they cut it. They cut it out of the episode, be- partly because of the timeline. Because initially, back when they first announced their phases, whenever it was when this they first said they were going to do this, Doctor Strange Two was supposed to come out a month. After uh, it was supposed to come out next month, right, 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 right. So right, right. they were they was it was going to be a cameo, a Doctor Strange cameo at the end of WandaVision, and it was going to be the next one to come out, and it was going to do the classic Marvel thing like post credit style. But yeah. then they realized, oh shit, it's like a year away. We can't do it. Like it, right, even, right, right, right. We really want to, and the director wanted to, but Marvel right. Kevin Feige was like. Yeah, I'm doesn't sorry. make sense. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's just gonna dangle a thing, and then people are gonna forget, and it's not gonna no happen. payoff, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. because well, she's going directly into it. Like Wanda is flying directly out of WandaVision into Doctor Strange two, but right. they're gonna have to do the work on the other end. Well, obviously, yeah. because she's reading, she's reading the ancient book, and if you if you've read Doctor Strange comics, he's always got these like it, it, they addressed it in in the first Doctor Strange movie all these books that are just like yeah. bitten, arcane knowledge and all this other stuff. So this is what my friend said. She said, um, her and her husband, their predictions were that the story will lead directly into the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, one, or two, a big cameo from either Doctor Strange or Captain Marvel. And so my reply was, there might be a tie-in with Agent Wu for Fa- Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I'm thinking now Agent Wu might be the new linchpin like Coulson was. Well. Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out first, but because of COVID, it got because of COVID and filming and schedules, it got delayed. So I don't know how much they're going to tie WandaVision into that because their original yeah. slate, like you were talking about, Sean, what, uh, the first thing that we were supposed to see, I think, was well, I think the first thing we were supposed to see would have been the Black Widow movie, right? And it would have been Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then WandaVision. I mean, I'm well, sure there's I mean- still probably going to be some sort of tie-in, but. I wonder how I, well, th- this was my prediction, too. And I said, um, I think Doctor Strange, the more likely cameo, as they're finishing up with a lot of magic, Agatha, etc. Although, and this is the one that I, I, I kind of popped up. I said, they are working on the Loki series, so I wouldn't be surprised if he appears. Mm-hmm. And I said, or, and this is a stretch, if they want to get people used to the idea of the Fantastic Four, they might introduce Doctor Doom. Oh, yeah. Because in the comic books, Doctor Doom manipulates Wanda um, when she says no more mutants, and she like obliterates you know ninety eight percent of all the mutants on the planet in the comic books. And you later on you find out that was Doctor Doom's doing. Because the the little known fact about Doctor Doom for people who are not into comic books, not only is he a, a, a tech genius, a la your Reed Richards or Tony Stark. He's also into witchcraft and magic, big time. So that's why I thought, like, like I said, I went in deep into the deep nerd pool with that. But like in the end, uh, obviously, we saw none of that came about. 
So like I said, it, it fizzled for me. A lot of the story just didn't make sense. Like, why would she do all of this and then purposefully block her mind of it? You well, know, it was it's all about grief. And that was the other thing his the, the the interview the director said is that the whole the whole point, the 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 pitch for this whole story was it's a it's a character study. I mean, each of these TV series, the way they're going to work is right. instead of doing the big ensemble thing, is we have to treat them as like a character study, almost like sure. a theatrical piece. And he's actually a theatrical director. He he's the artistic director of the Geffen Playhouse in LA. Oh, okay. Um, but he, the whole thing is it was a study of grief for Wanda. Like the whole thing was going to be about her falling into this grief, and the first. Every sitcom episode represented one of the stages of grief. Yes. The six, the six episodes was each one, the six was a different stage of grief, the dab. Yes. Um, yeah. And you can go through them and they each follow it. Oh, the, that is uh, cool. Depression, anger, bargaining, um, denial, uh, leading to acceptance. And then the yes. final two episodes are, you know, okay, she's been shaked out of it. So when you when you look at it like that, it's very interesting. When you take them, as you're like, oh, each one of these sitcom episodes is a stage of grief. Yes, it's yes. Very clever. I thought it was interesting. It is. I mean, I I just I I enjoyed that fact and the fact that it dealt with the grief. And of course, there's the line that as a writer, you know, when he said when Vision said it, well, what's grief if not love enduring? You know, it's just like, and people on Twitter were just like, every writer in, in like right now just saying motherfucker <laughs> you know yeah. just like and so then oh, of course all the memes started with like people were making fun of it and just associating different things that way but like i said it, it just it to me the way it got built up it got built up to be something more mm-hmm. and like i said the last episode in particular it just felt like they were just tying it up just to tie it up yeah i'm with you on that tomo there was like, no there was no end goal there. But like I said, I don't want to call shit on it because I know later on something's going to happen and I'll go back and be like, oh, that's what that was. Yeah, they tied it in there. Okay, all right. Now it makes sense. But they, yeah. Yeah, they, I... Go ahead, John, sorry. Oh, uh, no, I was just going to say that they're all going their separate ways now. Like Monica, Monica Rambo's going to Mar- uh, Captain Marvel 2. Right. As well, um, so they're all going to split off so a lot of, I guess it was two-handed. They both had to make a good series that was contained, but also had to set up every everything else. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. See, I I felt like um, I really liked what they were doing with the grief and everything else, and I I feel like in the earlier episodes they really tapped into that. Like in episode was it episode four when it kind of shows you everything that's going on, and then at the end it, it cuts again to when Monica gets shot out of the thing. And she's like, it's Wanda. Like it was Wanda's the one doing everything. Like that I thought was really like, that was a big moment when you realize like, there's no bad guy behind it doing this. It's Wanda doing it. Like she's set this whole thing up. Um, And I thought that was a really interesting concept. And I feel like the series never fully addressed that. Like she was in so much grief that she basically like had a meltdown on you know, with all of her powers and everything manipulated right. and was controlling all of these people in this town right? and was like living in this little sitcom life. And yet, like it does address it in its way. But I think when the last episode, they kind of glossed over all of it, a, a lot of the heavy points and there was yeah. no, and I'm okay. I like, 
I'm okay with Wanda having been like not necessarily like the hero in this show, but it feels like in the last episode, they had to like tie it up nicely and make her the hero. And there was never any, and I think you already said this pretty much Tomo, but there was like never any um, retribution for what she did to all those people. And I think it would have made, and again, maybe like you said, as things go on in the Marvel universe, we'll learn more, but I think it makes it more interesting if like she has to now carry that burden and live with that as opposed to like, snapped her fingers and everything's cool again. I think again. she did have retribution. I think she, the retribution is she had to see her, like, children disappear. <laughs> like, she had but, to... So, I have my problem with that is her children were never actually real. Right. So, it was a little tough for me to actually care that much about Right, her. exactly. Exactly. Because of the way... See, this is, this is where they went kind of like Disney went with the Star Wars route which annoyed me because in the comic books, like M day, which is the famous thing when she wiped out uh, mutant hood, when she marries vision in the comic books, she does like some magic and they have twins. And then the twins die and she's grieving. Like she, she was mentally unstable in the comic books and she went nuts and killed half of the Avengers uh, vision, her kids. And basically Magneto and Professor X were just kind of keeping her under wraps and, and Professor X is is just like mentally trying to kind of like push her grief away and they're giving her drugs. And they all come to the conclusion, basically like Avengers X-Men, like we, we have to do something with her. And somebody's like, well, we got to put her down. She's a rabid dog. And Captain America was like, no, we don't do that. It's like, there's a way out. And it's like, no, there's not. She's, she, she's you know, she's damaged goods kind of stuff. So it's interesting to me that they do that. I'm wondering if that's the direction they're going to now because she's in a cabin somewhere and she lost her husband again and so-called kids that she had. And the one that really just annoyed me because it led me down, it led me right out of the nerd hole was when they brought in, what's his face, Um, Quicksilver. Evan Peters. From from the X-Men movie, which everybody acknowledged was the better Quicksilver by far because of just that scene. (laughs) And then they're just like, he's just, you know, an actor named Boner. And it was just... I love that. It was so funny. It was very funny. (laughs) She's like, Boner? (laughs) Yeah, but we're all sitting here with like theories saying it's setting up the multiverse and this and that. And then ultimately it was just like, Nah, just some guy no. with a funny name. Right, exactly. Yes, yes, Which, yes. Yeah. Interestingly enough, because I pretty much have all the MCU movies on DVD, but I'm watching them on uh, um, Disney Plus because, you know, it keeps your space with the last thing you watch it. The Spider-Man movie are not on the platform. The uh, no. Tom Holland ones? No. no yeah, no, because Sony owns them. Technically. Sony still own them for, for now. It reverts back to Marvel in a couple of years, I think. But Sony only, owned... only if they don't make another movie, because that's the contract. Like they, no, I... they bought, they bought him out. They they bought that out. I don't think so. No, they... Sony's got it for a while. They're they they're yeah. They've got one. They've they got one out, movie they... left together, which is the next Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Um, what do they Far call from it? Home. Uh, 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 no way oh, home. No way home. No way home is coming out, and then... which is filming now. They started filming. And that's going to be Sony and Disney combined. And then I think according to Tom Holland's contract, he's got one, maybe two more like team up movies, like an Avengers or something. And he's going to be, he's going to be in the Dr. Strange. We know that. 
Is he? They haven't said that, have they? I, I, I've, th- that's the big one that like, because of the whole, because at the end of, um, far from home, his, his, um, identity is released by Jay Jonah. Yeah. With J.K. Simmons, but bald as opposed to having the like military flat top. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of the lead into the multiverse thing. But I don't think they've confirmed or said that he's going to be in the Doctor Strange movie. I, th- I thought I read this somewhere that he was going to. I think that's just speculation. No, maybe. I, maybe. It, I mean, it makes sense if you think about the fact that the everything we've heard about the next Spider-Man movie is that it's very rooted in the multiverse. Right, it totally makes sense. And Sam Raimi, who directed the OG Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man movies. Is directing uh, is this directing, one. Is direct, well, he's directing Doctor Strange too. Yeah. I, I thought he was directing uh, uh, No Way Home. No, um, no, no Way Home is still um, the guy that did the last two. Uh, oh, okay, okay. What's okay. his name? John something. Why can't I think of it? Because name? they already confirmed Jamie Foxx for the multiverse. Yes, yeah. in the Spider-Man movie. Yeah. In, in, the, in the Spider-Man They're bringing back... And Alfred Molina. As Doc Ock, yeah. And, yeah. and they're bringing back to, the, to, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Um, um, and isn't it... I don't know if it's 100% confirmed. I feel like it was, but maybe it's just a rumor. Um, Charlie Cox is going to be in it as Daredevil. Mm. Yeah. I, I heard something about that, but I don't know if that's confirmed either. Well, yeah. I, I heard that, that, again, who knows? The speculation I heard that someone thought that he was going to be in as Matt Murdock, but yeah. I don't know if they confirmed that it was going to be Daredevil. Like he might make a cameo as Matt It's like a lawyer or something, lawyer. yeah. A lawyer for Peter Parker. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, 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 right. Well, that, that yeah. alone would be really cool. That would be cool. Because um, I know I read they, somebody did an interview with Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. And he said if they bring Kingpin back, he totally wants to be Kingpin. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, okay, so these guys are like lobbying now for like these things. So, but yeah. There are so many. When you think about, because now they've got the rights again. Now they've got the rights from Netflix. It it seems an injustice that you have certain like that that Denofrius Kingpin doesn't get to have a proper Marvel movie because he's so good. But moreover, David Tennant uh, as a purple man. Oh shit! But David- you know what? I, I I honestly I thought I thought the way they ended that was re- that that first season of Jessica Jones. So good is still, I think, my favorite of the Netflix series. I, I, I still think that's the number one because it is. She, she, Kristen Ritter was just magnificent in it. David Tennant was fabulous in it. The supporting cast was great. I mean, uh, what's his face who played Luke Cage? The couple of episodes, he was great in it. The flashbacks, all of it was just really brilliant. I thought it was by far their yeah. best. Netflix season. It's it was so before its time as well. Like, it was that if that hit now, like with a whole everybody's talking about gaslighting and Me Too and yes. like all yes. that shit. It is so prescient. For yes, right absolutely, absolutely, and just like the whole PTSD that yeah. drinking herself silly every freaking night. I mean, and like I said, she played it so so well. So well. Um, and it was funny to see, you know, especially because she was in Breaking Bad. And 
even though there was that similarity between, you know, she was a heroin junkie in Breaking Bad and she was an alcoholic in, in, in Jessica Jones. But personality-wise, the two characters couldn't have been more different. Oh, yeah. Uh, she, she really did. She, uh, I mean, she was so good. And then, of course, Carrie Ann Moss, she was just magnificent even like in the later uh in the second season when which wasn't which was got a little bit too soap opery i thought carrie ann moss was so great i was like she should have her own freaking marvel show where she representing the criminals you know it's like that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah she's incredible but i mean she's she's gonna be coming back in matrix soon so she's, yes yes i'm glad for that because she's she's one of those people that i hope chose to stay away from the limelight because she's so good like there's not there's not a lot have of you like her. have you seen actually speaking of marvel crossovers there was a movie and i can't remember the name of it she was the lead and alfred molina were in the movie together and it's a really really good movie and i can't remember the name of it now but it was like a french village um mm -mm. pre-world war ii or somewhere around there Yes, I have seen that, I think. I think I know what you're talking about. And they were both brilliant. Like I said, Alfred Molina was the uh, 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 mayor. Or am I thinking Chocolat? And it wasn't Carrie Ann Moss, and I'm thinking of a different movie. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> now, I gotta, now I have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's Julia Binoche. <laughs> Julia Binoche. Is it Julia Binoche or Carrie Ann Moss? Let's see. Well, because Chocolat had Johnny Depp. Yes, yeah. it was Johnny Depp and uh, Juliette Binoche. Alfred Molina was in that. Oh, no, Moss uh, was in that as well. So, oh. yeah, Chocolat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. I just forgot, like, the two main characters. Oh, I forgot <laughs> them. <laughs> that, that's it. I, um, I, <laughs> weird, the strangest uh, link to that you'll ever hear is Chocolat is, was a book originally uh, written by Joanne Harris that the movie is based on and when I was in drama school I spent two hours in a room with uh, six or seven other actors workshopping a future project idea with Joanne Harris who wrote Chocolat that she never did anything as big as that again okay. and it, she wanted to explore bees. She was fascinated about bees and the social dynamics of bees and their relationships with humans. And there's okay. this whole strange, like mythical sort of uh, superstitious, like underworld of like beekeeping that, that normal people have no idea about like, these weird, like beekeeping things. And, the way that bee hierarchy works and how the beekeeper fits in. And it's this, it is very interesting. And she's right. it's a very good case when she's saying, Hey guys, we're going to workshop this idea. Right. Uh, but it ended up leading to us spending two hours in a room, improvising a musical based on us as all as bees. And we're all, we're going around the room buzzing being bees in different hierarchical structures being like bzz, bzz, i'm a bee i'm a bee i'm the queen bee and then and her sitting there in the court see it no laughter it wasn't like right. but 
Parrot the corner being like, okay, now I think you could, and then going to people saying, like, okay, I think if you go up to the queen, go to the queen bee, and I think you're going to massage the queen bee because you you want to get some of the royal jelly from, from the queen bee, so you need to massage her, and you're going to get in because that worker bee over there, you know he doesn't work as hard as he could, and you're already working for her, and that was two, like two hours of my life. This is the woman who wrote Chocolat, and I'm like, this is the weirdest fucking thing. Wait, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, dude. This is this is gonna be another what's going on here sketch because there's no way this is not a sketch. There just isn't <laughs> a musical based on bees. That, oh, yeah, that's oh my goodness, yes, that's, it, like, that's fantastic. I don't know if she spent too much time around Johnny Depp or something. I don't know what it was, but like <laughs> it was it was a weird thing where I'm like, this crazy woman literally collaborated with Johnny Depp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. on a movie and now we're doing this bullshit like is this is this how bullshit this, like, is, this whole thing is this is this is this is exactly the kind of crunchy gorilla shit that when i first decided to start acting that i told Andy, and she was like she was like are you i was like i'm nervous about going to this class today and she was like why i said if it's gonna be crunchy gorilla shit i'm not gonna last a half hour i'm just gonna walk the fuck out and just like be done and this Thank goodness I didn't come into this workshop because <laughs> you would have never seen me. <laughs> oh, you'd have been, oh, she'd have loved you. You'd have been King Bee. <laughs> There's no such thing. There's no such thing as King Bee. Oh, but she'd have like, made it. Have been, it would have been like, oh, but is And my singer would have be been on my front instead of my back. You'd be the bee, you'd be the beekeeper. You would obviously be the beekeeper. Oh, oh, obviously. Who, yes. who effectively is the King Bee because the beekeeper is the, the top of the hierarchy of the bee structure. They, there's a whole thing. They're, they're, they're very tight connection with the beekeeper, the bees. And if a yes. beekeeper dies, the, there is a formal, there is a formal situation that happens in beekeeping, at least in England. I don't know if it's the same internationally, but in England, there is a renowned thing that if a beekeeper dies, the next of kin of the beekeeper has to go and tell the bees that the beekeeper died and they give them like two days of like mourning where they don't, no one messes with the bees and they allow them to sit with the grief and the bees legit don't do anything. They like sit in stasis. They're like fucking mourn. They know what's going on. And then after that, they go back to it with a new beekeeper and everything carries on as normal. It is the weirdest shit. They're, they're super, super bright. Um, oh, yeah. I know that uh, um, because of all the Balkan wars and the big thing was clearing all the minefields, especially throughout Bosnia. And so, you know, it was the giant tanks that they have. They have these tanks with these like uh, almost like a like a chainsaw attachment that just like has a flail and just like goes on the ground to try and set off these, you know, pressure sensitive mines so that like dogs don't get killed and obviously people don't get killed. And so this guy at the agricultural uh, uh, college in the capital, Zagreb, he figured out how to train bees to find the mines. And he basically, instead of like sugar or honey, he started putting small amounts of TNT, like started substituting that. And he could train the bees, I forget, either like a week or a day. And then you basically just like, because now they're used to finding the TNT. So you bring the hive and you put them in a field and you just open up and they'll just, and you know, 
you have like basically a, 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 a what you call a drone watching where they are and if they all congregate on a spot like that's your mind and, and that's and of course they're too light to set it off as like it's like oh okay these are pretty yeah then we we should try to do everything we can to keep these little suckers around you know because besides you know keeping agriculture alive and our food source but anyway so yeah so I mean, over, overall like i said I, I think WandaVision was great. I think the way it started was great. Um, for me personally, I, I felt like they led me to think down a different path and whether that was purposeful or, or just, um, you know, that's on me. Yeah. But I don't want to say that I'm disappointed with the show. I'm disappointed with the last episode because I thought the wrap up was rushed. Well, the director did direct Game of Thrones as well, so. <laughs> well, that explains it all. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a thought. Do you guys think this, this could, in its own way, address some of the issues I had with it? All the talk of uh, Doctor Strange. There are theories that Wanda, or Scarlet Witch, will be the villain in Doctor Strange. Ooh, I hope so. That'd be good. I, I, I totally, I mean, I guess that was the whole point of the ominous, her going through all the books. I, at the very least, she's going to be the misguided person that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. And just like destroying the multiverse because of it. I think, I think, I think just from a very basic level, I think she has to be some element of that just because of her costume and this sounds stupid but they introduced the crown like mm -hmm. i in the marvel universe that we live in now the villain can get away with a stupid camp comic book kind of thing but the good guys can't quite right yeah we're not at that stage like you right. could get a loki with a crazy like thing right but all the heroes have like a cool sexy kind of like Sleep, uh, yes, and you know what? I mean, the perfect example of that was Luke Cage when they do the flashback when he breaks out of prison when he gets his powers, and he has literally the costume from the comic books where he's got this basically like neon yellow shirt on with like a, a, a silver band around the head, and he looks at it, and he goes, You must be out your damn mind, and he like rips it all off. So, you're right, I mean, that is like a thing that they do, they show the old, old, like with the exception of Thor which is because he's an alien, so it's okay. Because, you know, he's royalty as well. He can wear all the capes he wants to. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, you don't see... X-Men started that, I think. Because they even yeah. made a joke about it. Because pre-X-Men, you had Batman and Robin, where it right, went right. too far the other way, where you had nipples and crazy bullshit. And then yes. X-Men came around, and you had Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and it was all like, oh, we're not going to wear these stupid fucking things and then from then it was like yeah superheroes are cool we know but, yeah but the marvel movies the mcu movies leaned into the costumes a lot more than the x-men movies did sure um because sure. most of them had comic accurate things like even like captain america in in the avengers had like a pretty cheesy looking costume and then it was like in winter soldier and even in the the movie before that in um his original movie captain america the first avenger they tried to like make it a little bit more cool and then joss whedon was like no we're doing it comic accurate and if you go back and watch that he looks 
pretty cheesy in, in the yeah, Avengers. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And yeah. then in Winter Soldier, they, like, update them and give them Sleek that cool Sleeked it down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But no, definitely. I, and I thought, costume-wise, I thought that the Scarlet Witch costume looked really good. It, like, it pretty much um, captured everything from the comic books, but it looked, it didn't look cheesy at all. Um, right. You know, she right. still had the crown and the whole the whole thing. Um, but it, like, it worked really, really well, I thought. Yeah. I, look, the whole set design, all of it, um, the tie-in from Thor, right, with, uh, what's her name, Kat Dennings. So well, she had, was great. Th- th- and that's why I thought of Loki. Yeah. So, you know, th- that's why I thought that might be, like, a possibility that he might pop up. But they completely forgot about her in the last episode, too. She just yes. disappeared. She, she was just in the disappeared. last episode for, like, two seconds. She 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 was in the van, and then like uh, uh, when everybody were basically one was trying to stop Vision from getting there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I mean, they had that tie-in. They did Monica Rambeau with the Captain Marvel tie-in, and Jimmy Woo came in as an Ant Man tie-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the theory is he was he was there originally to look for a missing person. So everyone's saying like, oh, the missing person is, uh, uh what's his face? The fox is Quicksilver. Because, you know, he was just an actor named Boner that got recruited by Agatha. Um, in terms of her grief and going really crazy, that's what I'm thinking. They might just double down. And like I said, just like in the comic books, because she lost her kids now, even though it was just over a period of like, what is it? Every episode was like a day or not even. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be like a day. Yeah. So, you know, over the course of a week, she basically had two kids and they died. So, like, how is she going to deal with this grief now? You know, and it's, it's, it's a little bit, I think they kind of painted themselves in a corner with that because she's either going to be completely distraught about that or she's going to be like Andrew and I, where it's like, I didn't really care that she lost her kids. That's not really, that she didn't really, didn't give anything up there. She just made, basically, she literally made origami and somebody stepped on them. They were imaginary friends. Right, she, exactly. They were imaginary friends, exactly. She would care. I think she cared. Like, I, she's so, she's so messed up. Like, right. I think she's just, it's every, it's that thing of, it's sort of that arrested development thing where if you have a huge, devastating uh, thing happen when you're very young, um, or at least, before you're an adult fully formed you right. a lot of people tend to sort of emotionally kind of plateau at that point whatever it is and yes I think it's the same thing like she like how old she was when her parents and everything and sokovi was blown up she kind of plateaued emotionally there in the same way that a, a a young girl of that age would in a day create these baby dolls and like these are my babies and i love them and she loves them but they're very right and then and then the next day she's like Oh no, they're dead. Like, right? You know, like she. You could do that, but I don't think it's dismissing in a um, in that kind of way. I just think she has a very concentrated emotions are so concentrated that wherever she is, because of everything going on, the grief, wherever yes. she's the focus, that is her focus. Like, I don't think. Yeah. She's going to be able to shake it off and be like, "Yeah, they were fake." No, kids. I don't. I, made them up. I don't think so either. And I, I 
totally believe that she's going to be affected by it. And that was a big thing for her. And you see that in the last episode, how like difficult it was for her to say goodbye to all of that. Right. My point was for me as a viewer, I didn't also feel that because I'm thinking you just made these up. Like I get that you yes. feel bad, but yes. like just storytelling wise, it just, it like, it was like, well, it's a stretch for me to like get, get as attached or feel that emotional connection to these kids. Like you are, as there's the a, character there's Wanda, a parent because... thing there's a weird parent thing there because i felt a similar thing and i said that to my wife because we watched it together and she disagreed a lot like but i got it that something happens especially when you're a mom when you have kids mm -hmm. like you cannot watch and i've seen this i feel it but not as much as her but i do feel it all the stuff I was slightly flipping about, the worst movies in all the world that you've ever seen that are cheesy and shit and has Jared Butler in and like whatever. <laughs> like the second you introduce a kid, yes, and, yes, and there's danger or like the kid is sick or that like you need to protect the kid. Back when I was before I had a kid and I was a teenager, I'm like, fuck the kid, drop the fucking kid. Yes, yes, run away with a hot girl. This kid is leaving you behind. Like, who right. gives a shit? But now. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 and it's different. My instincts are—it's stereotypical. Mine are survival. My wife's are emotional. So right. these are fake children, and I know that. But for my wife, she saw them and she was like, heart, she was crying. You know, she was heartbroken. She because she's just so in the emotional state. Of yes, what if I had to say goodbye to my children. Yeah, I, I the survival instinct. So when it was like we need to protect them, I'm like. Yeah, you got to protect fun kids. You got to protect them. But then the second <laughs> they were fine and she was letting them go, I was like, "Oh yeah, they're not really real kids." Oh, she <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yes. Yes. No. no. This is this is like friends of mine that have had kids. Like the minute they had kids, any kind of horror movie, any kind of thriller, anything where like the kid that's a main character dies, like yeah, I'm not watching that. I can't watch that. <laughs> like yeah, I, I can't watch it. Like they've all said the same thing now. I mean, part of it is like, as I've gotten older too, like there are certain things that just like, whereas a teenager or a young man in my twenties, I'd be laughing hysterically. And now if I watch it, I'm like crying and just like, this is awful. You know, it's like, I, I can't believe like, like literally like a lump in my throat. But you know, when I was 20 and a douchebag, I was just like, <laughs> like that's funny, you know? So anyway, all right. So, so then I guess that's our, that's our opinion overall, a good series. Mm -hmm. looking forward to like i said there's a lot of holes my main my main gripe with the series was this titanic battle between her and agatha and strange didn't show up yeah and i mean you know loki shows up on the planet and strange is like what are you doing here yeah you're you're not allowed to be here you know like he's monitoring like anything magical strange is on top of like, that's my big, like, how are you going to explain that away? Like, hopefully, like, he's with, you know, Dormammu, you know, yeah. Dormammu's so fat. Um, uh, you know, he's, that, that's my big one. But, but other than that, like I said, the last episode, I thought it was just rushed, closed off up until the penultimate, especially the penultimate episode when they showed the, the cold, like the white vision which was a nice metaphor for what's going on in the country too. It's like, oh, everybody hates the white guy. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so um, I, overall, I thought it was good. And I'm guessing that somewhere down the line as the stories develop, yeah, 
we will we will see more that will explain certain reactions further. Yeah, so I wonder, and we probably talked about this when we did the first episode, but remember, I think it was um, uh, Paul Bettany was in like an interview and kind of talked a little bit about the show. And he said two things, and I, it may not have been him who said both of these things, but hopefully it was. And I know we talked about this in the last show. He said, number one, that at the end, there was going to be a big cameo, like the end of the second season of The Mandalorian. And he also said, it's ultimately, it's not all going to be sitcom. It's eventually going to be like big level Marvel action, like what you've come to know from the Marvel movies. Yes. The cameo was himself. Was himself right. Which is, and then the big Marvel action was just the action at the last episode, like Vision versus Vision and Wanda versus yes. Agatha, which was like fine. It had some cool action scenes, but it wasn't like compared to some of the other stuff you've seen in Marvel movies. It's it's not that much. And now here's right. the thing. At no point did I want or feel the need for this series to have a big action scene at the end. Um, right. And I didn't have any expectation I mean, it's Marvel, so you have a little bit of an expectation of some sort of cameo or something cool, but I didn't go into it with that expectation. And it was after the first two episodes came out, I think, that this was kind of like all over the internet. And so I do wonder too, like, did that, did that warp some of, you know, how we're interpreting the last episode? Like, was that kind of in our minds? Which for me, you know, again, it comes down to like, I don't know that that was a right, a good payoff for everything that the show was seeming to build up to. So maybe it's not, but... The cameo thing kind of pissed me off a little bit. It was like, see, there I, was I no cameo. I didn't, I didn't see that until afterwards when he he did an interview with uh, Stephen Colbert. So I, I never saw that where he said that there's going to be a cameo or anything like that. I saw that after the fact, mm. and I just laughed about it. I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, so I, I don't know that that. Uh, Sean, uh, did you did you hear that or did we? Did yeah, I, we talked about. I think I I think I brought it up. I think yeah. I heard that interview. And brought it up, but there's a chance, depending on when that interview was, because I don't remember. Yeah, maybe he was talking about Doctor Strange. He might be talking about Doctor Strange. I mean, that was the plan. I heard the director. Right, and then when the episode aired, then when the episode aired, he had to be like, "Just kidding, I was talking about myself." Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) maybe right. Maybe I don't. That was definitely. I mean, they filmed it. Like it was. It wasn't just like a planned thing. They filmed Doctor Strange turning up in Westview like at the end to be like well, what's going on here sort of thing and they had to cut it because they were like oh, this just doesn't so there was okay. that was it okay well I mean like I said I, I'm eight out of the nine episodes I really enjoyed you know like I said the last episode was a bit of a disappointment especially because they had so many of the tie-ins that were for the most part completely ineffectual like yeah. Monica going back in a second time, you would expect that like they were, she was transforming, right? Her cells were mutating and she was getting powers. I thought she was going to be like, I don't know, part of the kickassery or something. And she then just she, hung out with Boner. She just had <laughs> hung out with Boner, literally. Yeah. So it, like a lot of it was just like, well, they're probably doing that. They're, they're probably didn't want to bust a load with, her because they're going to use Captain Marvel 2 to be the launch pad for her to truly discovering her powers I imagine. I, well yes yes I, I suppose so but she could have done, she could have tripped Agatha or some shit or thrown a rock in her head I don't know something you know. I, I, don't, I don't know how they could I'm interested to see where Agatha's going to come back into it because I can't see how that's going to fit in because she's still in Westview 
but they left it in a way with that leads you think leads you to think that she is going to come back in some way. In in again because even more so than the Star Wars universe, uh, uh, Marvel has so much material to peruse for ideas and incorporate and whatever. In the Marvel universe, the one who actually trains um, Wanda in the use of hex magic, chaos magic, is Agatha. Agatha is her tutor. So the fact that they made Agatha a bad guy, so I'm wondering if it's going to be something like um, Strange is going to free her and then rehab her and say, well, your penance is you have to make sure she doesn't fuck up anymore. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. You know, uh, <clears throat> side note, I think the thing I love the most about this series, and maybe the reason I like this more than you guys did, I think, is I loved what a vehicle it was for Paul Bettany. Like, I really think that he's not had the chance in the... It, for someone who's been in so many of those movies, arguably more than anyone, uh, really, when you tally it together... He he's not had he for so much he was a voice and even when he was vision for a little bit he didn't have much to do but no for my money he at least out of the main Avengers the goodies excluding the bad guys and the guest stars I he is the best actor mm-hmm. that has that's an Avenger he's the best like good guy Avenger out of all of them based on his other work. Like Paul Bettany, I love Paul Bettany. He is a magnetic presence in everything he does. He's he's very good. I wouldn't necessarily say he's the best of them all. I just don't. I mean, I, I, I Robert Downey Jr. is a magnificent actor. Yeah, yeah. He's again, he's super magnetic, but he is just him. I mean, he is him. He rewrites the scripts. Well, to just I mean, sound like he, him. <laughs> he he did he win the uh, Oscar or was nominated at least for Chaplin? Oh, he did. Yeah, he did win. Um, so I mean, don't forget pre pre drug pre prison days. Downey Jr. did a lot of really good movies that were a lot of character development that weren't that wasn't necessarily just him. Post prison days, he got nominated for an Oscar for Tropic Thunder, deservedly so. He did. He was nominated for an Oscar for Tropic Thunder, and oh, I as well. He should have. I as well. He should have been. I said this at the time, and I will say this for the rest of my life. <laughs> I genuinely believe, and this is no, this is all due respect. This is not meant to come off in any sort of rude way. I genuinely believe if Heath Ledger did not die, then Robert Downey Jr. would have won an Oscar that year. Oh, it was the same year. It, Heath Ledger won the Oscar for best. I I I, I mean that year. Honestly, I would have given it to Heath Ledger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would have given it to. Oh, Heath I'm not. Ledger. I'm not. Oh. I'm not making a. I'm not making a judgment call about what I think was the better performance because I I would I would probably agree with you guys that Heath Ledger was a better performance. But I think you look at how the Oscars are traditionally, and Robert Downey Jr was like kind of in his comeback and everything else. And he's someone who's been around before. It would have gone to him as opposed to a guy in a comic book movie. Because traditionally, although now the Joker, someone playing the Joker has won twice. So I don't know what that means. I, 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 I disagree. At, because... that, at that time, traditionally comic book movies and things like that would not be considered in this category. I, I, I disagree though, because generally the Oscars do not like comedies. But also the Oscars don't. No. 
Chris Nolan. Right, they hate Chris Nolan and they hate comic books and superhero and pop culture things. So yes, they don't like comedies, but I feel like Robert Downey Jr. that year was like Golden Boy. That was his comeback. He did Iron Man. He did that. I I think he would have won. No, I, I I don't I don't think so. I I understand what you're saying, but I don't. I still think. I mean, Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker was just. It wasn't even comic booky. It no. was real. Like, there's nothing about his performance that made me think this is comic book character. Everything, the way he did it, to me, felt real. Like, this is what a psychotic would yeah, do. Yeah, but I'm not making an argument for or against anyone's acting. I'm talking more about the Academy and what I think they would have, who I think they would have given it to. Mm. That's just my opinion. Mm. I, I, I do agree. They definitely made some strange decisions. <laughs> the fact that he was even nominated, <laughs> they makes you like... <laughs> Uh, you know, is is strange, but is Glenn Close getting lead actress or or supporting? Which one is supporting? It? Mm. She's the favorite for the Oscar, which is is going to be one of those Scorsese departed Oscars. They're speculating because she hasn't won. Like she's been nominated like nine times and never won the Oscar. So they're like, well, obviously she deserves it, but obviously she's going to do another performance that is going to be worthy. Already, it's... I think she's got a movie coming out soon uh, and where she, that looks like a lot better movie, but it's they're going to panic and they're going to go, we don't want her to like retire and us go, shit, we didn't give her an Oscar. <laughs> it's, 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 you're right. They're going to give her the Oscar because of uh, what was the movie a year or two ago where she played um, the wife. Was the movie called The Wife? Oh, yeah. Uh, with Jonathan Price. Yeah, with Jonathan Price. Last, correct. last year. Last year. Was it last year? Yeah. They're gonna, because like everyone was like, oh, Glenn Close for sure. And then I forget who got it. It was just like, uh, okay. So, yeah. But anyway. Anyway, so. All right. So, WandaVision. For the most part, positive. Sean really liked it. Uh, Andrew and I like it with reservations. Uh, yeah. And and to your earlier point, Sean, I feel like we didn't give enough credit to Paul Bettany. He was great in the series. You know um, what? I as, as an actor, I thought this series was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Because you got to do the sitcom stuff. They both showed that they got brilliant uh, 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 comic timing, right? They, they were really very good. Um, the drama part of it was brilliant. You know, all of it, for an actor, it was just a fabulous series. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and you're right, Sean. It, it's, we should give more credit to Paul Bettany and his performance because I thought he did really, especially like even when he was just like, you know, Technovision, as I like to call him, the, uh, the the newly built vision, all of it. I, I thought he was. Uh, he, he's just he's one of those guys that whenever I think about movies he's done in the past, he is the standout, most memorable from an actor's perspective. He's the standout, most memorable, captivating presence in that movie. Like yeah. I look back to A Knight's Tale because you mentioned Heath Ledger, like Heath Ledger doing that great joke turn. But. In A Knight's Tale, Paul Bettany was the captive force in that movie. Right. And then A Beautiful Mind, which Russell Crowe won the Oscar for. 
I right. like for me it's all Paul Bettany that movie and then like Master and Commander he played Charles Darwin and, and like he was great in that like everything he's in he's never the focus but he's right. always the guy you're looking at like even in like the Da Vinci Code which is not a good movie <laughs> I'm you're just like, thinking that <laughs> Paul Bettany as the weird self-flagellating monk is the most interesting thing <laughs> right yeah always yeah. Paul Bettany I, I don't think it's a fair, fair comparison uh, uh, that way. But Paul Bettany is like what Lakeith Stanfield is to me. Yes. Now. Or like Adam Driver. When they're on the screen, even if it's a freaking 30-second cameo, you can't take your eyes off of them. Yeah. Like everything they do is just like like knives out. Lakeith Stanfield yeah. was in that movie for two minutes, and every time he was on, I was just riveted with his performance. He's just so good. Yeah. And, and you're great. right, Paul Bettany's like that. Um, what was the movie he did uh, with with Harrison Ford? Um, the computer guys. Um, he was the bad guy, and he was the main baddie in it. Computer guys. It came out like maybe I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Was it the, like called like Firewall or Fire? Something, something like that. Like something. That? It, yeah. it basically had to do like like Harrison Ford was a computer programmer, and they kind of. They threatened his family and we're going to take money or something. And it, it was a thrillerish. It was more of a thriller version of, of which Die Hard was it with, with Justin Long. Like it was a thriller version of that. You know, it was like, yeah. we're going to control the whole country by just, you know, putting in a couple of programs in here. And, and that's it. Yeah. So, all right. So that's that. Well, then, gentlemen, um, let's go to our beers, uh, shall we? Um, who wants to start? Anyone? I'll start us off. Yeah, please do. Oh, yes, this is the interesting one. Ooh. We'll make it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. We'll make it short and sweet. My impressions have not really changed. I've come around uh -oh. to it a tiny bit more just because I'm getting used to it. It's still light. It still has very little taste and flavor, and it has a very bitter aftertaste, but with no payoff. Um, and you guys know me. I'm, I'm usually, we're not done with a podcast when I haven't finished with a beer um yeah so it's not great so two and a half Ooh. Ooh. okay 2.5 all right um john you want to go next uh, yeah Robert? this is really good beer i'm on my second beer i'm like halfway nice. through the second uh nice. really nice goes down really t it goes down so well and a lot of the time with these stouts and these heavier beers they don't hold up as well after you have more than one. Right. You, you think it's a good idea to open up a second, but then a couple of sips in, you're like, oh. Regretting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was me the other night with the, with the with Guinness. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But it's, I'm not getting there with this. It's, it's, just a, it's just a very well put together uh, beer. Very yeah. tasty. On the nose. Does everything it's supposed to. It's nothing fancy. It's not the best out I've ever had. And it's nothing. It's not going to blow the waters ratings wise but it does exactly what it's supposed to do like no thrills but just like solid like right yeah big fan um i give it a 3.8 okay that's solid grade and um devil's reach cape may brewing company i really enjoyed this beer as you can see it's all done i don't know why i'm holding up the glass that was stupid um, 
It's not what I expected for a Belgian-style ale. I usually expect a Belgian-style ale to be, if not necessarily heavier, more complex. Like a little more robust, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, I love the fruit notes in this. It, it's really nice. It was unexpected. And like I said, this is an 8.6% uh, uh, beer, ABV beer. This this drinks like I'm trying to think of a beer that we've had that it it's it drinks like a Sam Adams, like a five percent beer. That's what it drinks like. It's it's really nice. Like I would think this was a summer beer, and it's a Belgian style ale. It's not. I mean, I, I suppose you could almost classify it as a double at eight point six. You know, like a, a Belgian double yeah. ale. Um, I, but like I said. <laughs> If we're at a barbecue and this is all the beer they have, my God, there's going to be a bunch of drunk people at this party because they're all going to think they're drinking a nice light beer and they're getting hammered, you know. Um, this is really, really pleasantly surprised with this. Um, unexpected and like I said, their description that watch out because it will swallow you whole. You will fool yourself into thinking this is a nice, easy beer, and you'll have like three of them, and and then like stand up from the table and just go, "What the hell? Somebody get mashed potatoes! I need to eat something." Um, <laughs> I'll I I I give this a, a four point oh. All right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Has it swallowed you whole? No, because I only had one, and they're twelve ounce cans. So, oh. if, if it was a pint. I'd probably be a little more, you know, happy about the whole thing too. Probably. I was gonna. Got... I was gonna ask how good it was. When was the last time someone Getting... swallowed your hole? My hole <laughs> or me hole? <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> Annie. <laughs> Sean has to ask you something. <laughs> no, 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 I don't. Not me. <laughs> All right, folks. So there we go. That's us. We we told you what we thought about uh, WandaVision the show. Uh, everybody enjoy the next six weeks for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, Sharon Carter is going to be in it. I saw that from the various previews, so that's oh, going to yeah. Um, so we had the uh, Andrew had the something easy, which is a wheat uh ale, he gives it a 2.5, he wasn't very happy with it. Sean had the low earth orbit from our friends at the elementary, a lovely oatmeal uh stout that's a 3.8, and I had a Belgian style ale, Devil's Reach by Cape May Brewing Company out of Cape May, New Jersey, and I gave that a 4.0. So those are our final grades. Gentlemen, anything else we want to cover before I uh, give a greeting to our listeners? No? Bueller? Bueller? Anyone? Anyone? I think that's that. Sean looks like he has something to say. No, he does. I, I, I was just thinking, I was saying, I was We've said this before, but I'm trying to like brainstorm ahead. Like, I wonder how far we are away now from being able to do this in person again. Like, I wonder timeline wise. Hopefully, I, not far. I I will say probably the fall. That's not, not the fall, probably. Not the summer. 
I mean, it's possible in the summer. Well, I mean, I guess from from a pedantic point of view, from like you know, it's just down to um, vaccinations. I mean, sure. if we all if we all get vaccinated, if we're all vaccinated, absolutely. I mean, it's all bets are off. I was just thinking in terms of what we started doing was we would meet in a studio in New York. Yeah, who the hell knows how we're going to get a space right now? Because well, that's what I'm saying. Because so, even... so many places closed. Right. You know, it's going to be it's going to be top dollar, and people are going to be fighting tooth and claws for those spaces. Whereas before, you used to be able to get it for you know twelve bucks an hour. Now it's going to be sixty bucks an hour because there's only like ten studios left in the city. Yeah. So um, it's either that or Andrew, you better get yourself a little uh, uh, electric bike or something and huff it over to Jersey, and we meet <laughs> at my place. Yeah. Well, you guys, oh, you guys don't live that close anymore, though. You guys used to be like pretty close to each other. I was gonna yes. say you could just pick up Sean and come over here since she, you know, but it's, it's not that's not really ideal anymore. Now we're no, all it's not, it's we a... need to find a central location for preferably a brewery with good food. Mm. 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 I I I'm still like contemplating whether I should talk to Tommy Foxes and see if they want to have us on like once a month. Yeah, I mean, why not? I, th- I feel like right now everybody is up is looking for day. entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fine. Fine. What, what do you want to do? Your penis puppets? Yes. Church is open on Sunday. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I did I tell you that I booked Puppetry of the Penis when I was fourteen on work experience. Uh, did what? I bring that up? No, I didn't. No. But what? when I. In England, I don't know if you do it here, but in England, when you're about 14, 15, you do work experience where you take two weeks out of school and you go and you work in a place to like right. learn what it is to work. And you get either you choose a place or you get placed or whatever. And I I chose, I wanted to work, there's a local theatre in the city I'm from and I wanted to work in the theatre because I'm an idiot and I'm like, I want to be an actor, so I want to work in the theatre. But obviously the theatre is just like run by the city council. So it's not like I'm going to be in the productions. It's like, no, you're going to be bounced around various departments of the theatre. So that's like, you know, the marketing department. the Right. Like it's all the boring things. Right. One of them was the booking, like the programming department. And they had like nothing to do. And they said to me one day, they were like, right, like we got this one space of time. We got nothing booked in for the theater. Look what's touring around, what's popular and like come back. And, to you, it. and, and you I, did the penis puppets. Yeah. Puppetry of the penis. And they booked them. They booked them. Good for them. Good for them. 14 year old booked by 14 year olds at a Catholic <laughs> school, a Catholic school working experience kid booked the puppetry of the penis. For the Council City so, Civic. so far, you were begging Kevin Spacey for a job. Uh, <laughs> you're hanging out with Pete Townsend, and now you're booking penis puppetries. <laughs> There's really just a lot of hidden shit going on in your life. Job. What an insight into <laughs> Sean's life before we knew him. Yes. Okay. On that note, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye now. Bye. Bye. <laughs>